All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Heart of Flesh podcast. Uh, we are really excited for today's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of as we mentioned last time, we've been a bit busy uh, with school going on and, and both of us are working and and all those kind of things. But we, we did find some time this week to sit down. We and, made some uh, time. We made, yeah, we <laughs> made some time. We <laughs> we forced some time into our <laughs> schedules and now we're, we're doing this. Um, so... Right now, we're talking about how to read the Bible um, and, and kind of if there were like a thesis statement to, you know, the the last episode we did in this episode, it's that the Bible is about Jesus, mm-hmm. right? The Bible is about Jesus. It's not about us. And I'm going to go back to a couple texts that we look at that we looked at in the last episode uh, to describe, you know, this this idea. So the first one coming from Luke 24. Uh, and I'm going to be looking at, let's see, verse 25, Luke 24, verse 25. And there's two disciples, the famously, they're on the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes to them. They don't recognize him. Um, they're talking about how, how Jesus died and, and they thought that everything had gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus says to them in verse 25, it says, and he said to them, "O foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The things concerning himself. So the Bible is is about Jesus, beginning with the law of Moses, all the prophets. It's about Jesus and, and he chastises these disciples for not understanding that and specifically for not understanding that that it was said beforehand of the christ that he would suffer before he entered his, into his glory um if we look at uh the, the the later account where jesus is with all the disciples uh, he explains the same thing to them and he says in verse 44 same chapter then he said to them these are my words that i spoke to you while i was still with you that everything written about me in the law of moses and the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled that's an an old way of saying, a, a Hebrew way of saying the entire Old Testament. Mm-hmm. It says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So Jesus is seeing, well, Jesus being God authors the scriptures um, but Jesus is talking about how the scriptures talk about him. And, and what's in there is that the Christ would suffer, that on the third day he would rise from the dead, uh, that for, uh, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That's that's one way. I, I know we talked about John 5 a little bit last week. Another one that, that is just a really, a really helpful example of this uh, is Romans chapter 1. Where the Apostle Paul writes to the Roman church and he starts this way. This is Romans 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son. So the gospel, as Paul says, the gospel that Paul preaches was promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, concerning the son of God, 
concerning Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is just a wonderfully powerful statement. The Bible is, is about Jesus. Um, our, as, we, as we try to read and understand the Bible, kind of the, the interpretive mistakes that we make often, the biggest ones, and that's kind of why we've been structuring these episodes this way. The first thing is misunderstanding genre and context. Misunderstanding the genre of literature and misunderstanding the context, whether it's the historical context or the literary context. So, so I would encourage you guys, if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to them. And the second biggest interpretive mistake that, that people often make is we put ourselves in the story and make the Bible about us when the Bible is about Jesus and it's about the gospel. Um, and these verses clearly, clearly show that. So, in our last episode, we talked about how the Old Testament storyline, and really the entire biblical storyline, it, it points to Jesus, it's fulfilled in Jesus, it's, it's consummated in Jesus. It's about Jesus. He's the hero of the story. He's the one that brings redemption. All, all of the, the promises of the Old Testament, like Paul says in Corinthians, all the promises of God find their yes and amen in him. It's about Jesus. Now today, we're going to talk about another way that the Bible is about Jesus that's a little bit, um, a little bit more nuanced. Uh, we're going to talk about biblical typology, and we're going to explain what that means and talk mm-hmm. about it. And Joshua, I don't know if you had a similar experience, but the first time that I was exposed to biblical typology and, and really Christological typology, mm-hmm. typology, typology about Jesus, I was pretty blown away by it. Like, it's kind of a mind rattler. Yeah, so I remember growing up <coughs> in my church, um, they faithfully preached the gospel. And a lot of times when they preached from the Old Testament, um, I didn't, I would not have been able to, like, use this term at that time in my life. But they were showing the typology uh, from the Old Testament that was pointing to Christ. So I grew up with this. And it wasn't until, like, we started learning about the Old Testament um, that I really accepted it because like they never explained to me the connections. They, they never explained to me on the pulpit or other where like these Luke 24 passages or this Romans one or in Acts 27 or 28 or John five. Like they never showed me that like, Hey, the authors of the new Testament and even Jesus himself are applying these old Testament passages that he typologically fulfills yep. that he is, what those texts are talking about. So um, I'm really excited for this because maybe unlike you, I was surrounded around this idea of typology my whole upbringing, but I was never actually taught. And therefore I was super skeptical about it. And I was like, who are you to be applying a text that Moses is writing to Jesus? Yep. And one of our goals is hopefully for to bring that out through the scriptures um, yeah. so that you can rely on it. So I think I think one thing the way that or or one way that we think about prophecy in the Old Testament and, and things being fulfilled in Jesus, and we kind of showed this in our laps last episode how this is true, mm-hmm. but we think about okay, direct prophecy, predicting something in the future that's going to happen, yeah, and then direct fulfillment in the person of Jesus, yep. like like a one to one, very clear, easy. This predicts it, and then this fulfills it. Yep. Just prediction fulfillment. Now. As my, my hope today is that we see a, a much broader and much more nuanced type of prophetic nature of the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and we'll start to see how not just predictions and fulfillments point to Jesus, but essentially everything. Mm-hmm. Characters, events, um, and, and institutions in the Bible. We're, we're going to get into that. So the first the first thing I want to do is, is I want to define, give a definition for what is biblical typology. Okay, This is probably a new term to a lot of people. So we're going to define it. This is a long definition um academic yeah it's a a bit academic but we're gonna i I think the best way to understand biblical typology is to show examples of it so that's kind of what we're gonna do so right now i'm gonna read a definition from uh a book written by gk beale and benjamin glad it's called the story retold it's it's a great book uh we had to read it for our our seminary classes but I'm, i'm taking this definition from there typology is quote the study of analogical correspondences among persons, events, institutions, and other things within the historical framework of God's special revelation, that means the Bible, mm-hmm. that are prophetic in nature. Okay, so that's kind of a, a long and weighty definition. Yeah, there's a lot um, <laughs> So there, there are corresponding things in the Old Testament concerning persons, characters, events, and institutions in the Old Testament um, that are part of God's word that prophetically point to Jesus mm-hmm. and are fulfilled in him. On on first glance, you wouldn't necessarily read them in the Old Testament as, okay, this is um, clearly pointing to someone, and, and we should not always, re- like, we got to understand the Old Testament has a historical context yep. as well, but the New Testament authors use and quote these things from the Old Testament in this way. Yep. Describing people, events, and institutions that point to Jesus and that that are about about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So now, before I think I think before we get into it, you know, the ben, uh, Beale and Glad they also list like three aspects of typology, um, and and I'm gonna go through those real quick. That might be helpful to understand. First of all, typology is historical it's based on real events uh-huh. real uh, people, on real people yeah. that happen it, it's fulfilled in jesus but it, it it still was in a real historical context with real historical consequences all of those things and, and that's the first part secondly it's prophetic in nature <coughs> that means that the events persons and institutions anticipate or point forward to future events persons or institutions yep. and then lastly is oftentimes in biblical typology you see an escalation, right? Mm-hmm. So so the first thing, the first historical event, person, or institution it is escalated in its fulfillment. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's greater. It, it's, it goes from lesser to greater. Mm-hmm. And that's especially true of the characters yep. uh, of the people that are involved. Yep. The people, many many people in the Old Testament, like, like Moses and, and Joshua and Abraham, they share deep similarities with jesus they they teach us about jesus in some ways but jesus is a greater fulfillment Mm -hmm. i think i think tim keller is is pretty famous for what what he usually says is Mm -hmm. you know jesus is the true and the better moses or he's the true and the better david it has it has an element of escalation It, it is a heightened fulfillment yeah that even points back to what you were saying earlier that it's not necessarily a one-to-one correlation so like when we see Israel in ex- or in the Exodus, they spend 40 years. But then we see Jesus spend 40 days. But there's an escalation there because he didn't eat or drink during those 40 days. 
So it's not necessarily one-to-one. It wasn't 40 years to 40 years, but it's 40 years to 40 days, and there's a lot of similarities there that are should put a like a light bulb in our mind and be like, hey, there's something going on here. Right. So um, that's probably a lot to grasp, okay? We are going to show examples, and our hope is that as you, and, and this is the way I learned it, but as you see the examples and you see the correspondence, you begin to understand... Um, how this works. Yep. Okay. I'll also say, if you haven't read the Bible, this may be a little hard to keep up with. Mm-hmm. But the good news is you can read your Bible. <laughs> yeah. And even last last episode, we, ch- we challenged, or maybe it was the one before, we challenged those who haven't read the Bible to do it, to do it in a year, or get on a plan and start it. So mm-hmm. maybe this will spur you on to be like, hey, I can actually understand the Bible mm-hmm. by knowing this kind of typological nature of it and we hope hopefully this will even spur you on to be like maybe i've I've even read the bible it's like whoa there's so much more going on that hopefully we open our your eyes up to i mean i i remember you know if you feel that way it it is plenty okay i remember the first time i read the old testament i like i'm wondering like what the heck is going on in some of these stories and like who are these people and why why are they doing things um and it took me a while to actually understand and actually, well, really, really to, to un, like to be, to be taught how to read yep. the Old Testament, yeah. which, I'm, which I'm still doing today, yeah, currently same. in seminary, like learning how a great deal about how to read, how to read the Bible, <laughs> how to read the Old Testament. Um, so f- as we jump into some of the examples, first of all, if you want good places in the Bible to see how this works, yeah. the book of Hebrews is, is a great example. Um, it's literally all about this. It's, it's all about it. It's about how Jesus is is better than right away jesus is better than angels he's superior to moses he's superior to the law he's superior to melchizedek he's superior to the the priesthood he's the true sacrifice he's he's all of those things it's all about, old testament yeah so the book of hebrews is a good place to go to understand this also matthew one through five mm-hmm. when we look at matthew's gospel he quotes a bunch of old testament quotes and and the the story that he's telling about jesus um it, it's it's placing jesus as the typological fulfillment, mm-hmm. it's showing the similarities between him and Moses. It's showing him to be the true and better Moses. Yep. The similarities between Jesus, his life, and, and the nation of Israel. Yep. It's showing that Jesus is the true and better Israel. Yep. He's, he's the true Israel. Yep. Um, so that's another good place to look. And Matthew 1 through 5 is actually where I was exposed to this for the first time. And it, it just blew my mind. I, I yep. couldn't, couldn't believe it. Um, and if you haven't read about Moses, then it'd probably be best to in tandem read maybe Exodus or maybe even Exodus through Deuteronomy because that's all about Moses. Well, it's all about Jesus, right? But yeah. historically, it's about the life of Moses. Yeah. So, so first of all, we talked about how in typology, um, we have events. Or really, we have people events and institutions that point to Jesus. So first of all, we're going to go through each of those categories and we're going to show how some people, how some events and how some institutions point to Jesus. Yes. And hopefully this is helpful. This is exciting. So yeah, this is, it's, it's pretty mind blowing. The first one we talk about is Moses. Um, and I'm just going to run through kind of a list of things that are similarities between the two. So both Moses and Jesus were, were born under order of death for male children. Mm -hmm. Moses in Egypt, Jesus in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. You have the example of Pharaoh wanting to kill Egyptian or, or Hebrew males mm-hmm. and Herod wanting to kill um, 
all males. Jewish males mm-hmm. around Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then really, I didn't even put this in there, but but Matthew 5 uses this, um, or, or Matthew 1 through 5, but Jesus goes to goes to Egypt after that, and then he comes out of Egypt. Similarly, Moses leaves Egypt, um, and both of those things lead up to them saving the people. Yep. Uh, both were, both did many signs and wonders. They were miracle workers. Both were intercessors for God's people. Moses offers to stand in the place of God's people to take their punishment. <coughs> Jesus actually does it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that escalation. Yep. God, God denies Moses yep. um, and relents his anger, yep. but Jesus actually does, mm-hmm. and God does not relent his anger on Jesus. Yep. He, he bears the actual wrath of God mm-hmm. for our sin. Both are mediators of a covenant. Moses is the mediator of the old covenant. Jesus is the, is the mediator, mediator of the new covenant. Both went up on the mountain to give the law. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to give the law. Jesus does the Sermon on the, amount, the, sermon on the Mount to explain and, and properly put the law mm-hmm. in its place to, to properly interpret it both men were transfigured on a mountain moses calls down bread from heaven jesus feeds the five thousand in a very similar way both mm-hmm. are speaking god's words with the authority of god moses leads the people out of slavery to egypt jesus leads us out of slavery to sin Moses leads the people through the wilderness and into the promised land. Jesus leads us through the, the wilderness of this life and into the true promised true land, promise which is the new heavens and the new earth. Mm-hmm. Moses prefigures the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. He, he oversaw the greatest redemptive events in Old Testament history, the Exodus, and we'll talk about that later. Jesus accomplishes the true and better redemption. Mm-hmm. He delivers us from our true slavery um our defeats our true enemies of sin and death and he guides us to the true promised land it's an escalation mm-hmm. that that is that, that's one example moses is a type of christ another example is we, we talk about uh, genesis 22 in the scene between isaac and abraham god asked abraham to go up on on a mountain and to sacrifice his only son that he loves that that's what what god says to him mm-hmm sacrifice your only son that you love and, and a lot of us read that story or read that idea and we go how why, why would god ask abraham to do this this yep. is ridiculous his son isaac even carries the wood himself up the mountain yeah and again this is kind of escalation but isaac is spared from the sacrifice jesus is actually sacrificed mm-hmm. it's escalated Isaac points to Jesus. Yep. Jesus is the true sacrifice. And in the same way, God says to, to Abraham, offer up your only son that you love. Yep. And Abraham is willing to do that. Um, it, it's, it's a test of his faith, and he obviously passes the test. He shows that he fears God. He, he, he's blessed by God. And, and now we look back, and we see that God's son the son that God loves mm-hmm. was actually sacrificed for our sin. So just like Abraham showed his love for God, God shows his love for us in the true sacrifice of his one and only son. I th- you think of that verse in Romans 
God shows his love for us in, in that while we were yet sinners, yeah. Christ died for us. The cross is a declaration of the love of God for sinful people. Mm-hmm. It's the fulfillment of that event between Abraham and Isaac. So Isaac points to Jesus. Abraham points to Jesus. The story of Joseph points to Jesus. Joseph is betrayed by his brothers, betrayed by those closest to him, sold into slavery in Egypt. He ascends to a position of royalty and he uses his power to save people and to forgive them. He becomes a savior of the people. He is sold just like Jesus was betrayed. He is betrayed, sold. I think Jesus was for 30 pieces of silver and Mm -hmm. and Joseph was for 20 shekels. Sold and betrayed. Yep. Ascends to a place of, of royalty. Joseph in Egypt, Jesus sitting down at the right hand of God and uses his power to save people mm-hmm. and to forgive them, though even those who have wronged him. It's a re- remarkable, remarkable truth. And at the end of that narrative, and this is perhaps one of the most profound statements in the mm-hmm. Bible, but in Genesis 50, chapter, or chapter 50, verse 20, you have Joseph says to his brothers, showing the sovereignty of God over this, mm-hmm. over this event, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And we look at that statement, which you meant for evil, God meant for good. And then we look at, I mean, really, really similar, similar things in Acts. God sent his son to be crucified. And men, wicked and evil men, meant evil things against Jesus. And yet God meant it for good, Mm -hmm. to bring about that many people would be saved. Yep. Acts 2, 22 through 23 kind of gives an example of this. Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. and You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. What was meant for evil, God used for good to bring it about that many people would be saved. Mm-hmm. There's so many parallels between the Joseph story and Jesus. And Jesus is the true and the better Adam. Adam in the garden, the father of us all. Adam represents mankind in the garden. He fails the test of God and all humanity is cursed in Adam. And Jesus is, is the true and better Adam. Romans 5 talks about this idea. He represents humanity. He passes the test in the garden, a much more difficult garden. If you recall, the night before Jesus was betrayed, he spent time in the garden of, of Gethsemane. He was, he was tempted to, to not do, to not fulfill what God had called him to do. And Jesus passes the test. And just like humanity was cursed in Adam, humanity is blessed in Jesus. He's the true and the better Adam. And even a person like Samson, we read the book of Judges. Samson is a popular Bible story. Many sermons have been preached about Samson and his wonderful strength and how he saved all the people with his selfless deeds and we should be like Samson. But what is the story really about? Who does Samson actually point to? Samson was betrayed by someone he loves and given over to God's enemies. He was beaten and tortured. And in, in a heroic act to save God's people, 
He died. In a heroic act to save God's people, he died in the process. So, despite all the many sermons that have been preached about Samson and how we should be like Samson and all these things, even Samson, it points to Jesus. Yeah, and in his death, he defeated multitudes of enemies with it. Yep. It's not just about Samson. Samson was a real historical figure. He really did save God's people Mm -hmm. in some way. But his life points to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the true and the better Samson Mm -hmm. who was betrayed. He was beaten and tortured and he died with a heroic act to save God's people. Mm -hmm. Another big example. This is the last one uh, of people. People There's many more. There's many more you can talk about. Uh, You could talk about Abraham and and, and you could talk about Cain and so many Old Testament figures. Really the rest of the judges or uh, Abel, I should say, sorry. The rest of the judges in the book of Judges, all of those things, many other examples. David. Prophets, a bunch of prophets. Yeah, the prophets, Jesus is the true and the better prophet. Mm-hmm. He's the true and better Solomon that gives the wisdom of God, yeah. um, that, that teaches. He, he's like David. He's the king of God's people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, David and Goliath, that's really the big story that people yep. misunderstand. David defeats the enemy of God, uh, yeah. uh, what seems to be an insurmountable, insurmountable en- enemy, and he saves all of God's people. David's victory is the victory of God's people. Mm-hmm. It points to Jesus. Jesus defeats our true and insurmountable enemy. David is the king that represents the people. When David has victory, it means victory for the people. So much more in mm-hmm. Jesus. So many times when you read the Psalms, you see the suffering of David. And the New Testament authors will even quote that, and, and it'll be fulfilled in Jesus. I know Psalm 34 that I preached this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, John uses that to describe how Jesus is excuse me, how Jesus is the true righteous sufferer who's vindicated by God. Not one of his bones is broken. Um, Jesus is the fulfillment in that case, both of the true righteous sufferer and uh, of the Passover lamb. Mm -hmm. It's really like a a, a double quote. Hmm. So, so the major characters in the old Testament, just to that, that's an example. They point to Jesus. Mm -hmm. They point to Jesus in, in, in some odd ways. You know, Jonah, Jesus even uses the example of Jonah, how he spent three days in the fish. Uh, he was spit out, all of that. Yep. Just like the Son of Man will spend three days in the belly of the earth and then be resurrected and ascend, right? It's yeah, it's, it's about Jesus. I hope that's clear, okay? So people point to Jesus, also events, right? Events point to Jesus. Um, yeah, we have a, okay, so let's go through some of those. So first of all, really, really the biggest one, the, the Exodus is the biggest mm-hmm. historical redemptive event in the Old Testament. Yep. Moses, who we've said is already a type of Jesus, he points to Jesus, leads the people out of slavery to Egypt. From Egypt. Yep. Takes them through the Red Sea, leads them through the wilderness, and brings them into the true promised land. Mm-hmm. And all of that he does, um, accomplishes it by the blood of the Passover lamb. The blood of the Passover lamb is what distinguishes the Israelites from the Egyptians. And it's the basis by which God saves the Israelites. God mm-hmm. God loves the Israelites. He's making himself known to the, to the whole world in the Exodus. Mm-hmm. But it's the blood of the Passover lamb that saves them. The perfect, spotless lamb. Yep. And in the same sense, you know, you read, you read John 
the Gospel of John, chapter 1 or chapter 2, I can't remember which it is, Jesus walks on the scene and John the Baptist, when he sees him, says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. The Passover Lamb points to Jesus. He's the true Passover Lamb. God, God passed over the Israelites. He brought his judgment against the Egyptians. And he saved and delivered the Israelites because of the blood of the Passover lamb spread on their doorposts. Mm-hmm. Even in Revelation 5, it mm-hmm. says that all those who have put their faith in Christ are in heaven, will praise him, singing, worthy is what? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Yeah. We'll be praising, we'll be singing that endlessly, praising Jesus for the lamb who was slain. Yeah. So, so in the, in the Old Testament, we see, and this is really kind of part of the institutions, <coughs> but we see that God, God, God's yes. means of punishing sin, sin, sin sacrifices, like like in the Passover, it's to sa- offer offer a sacrificial lamb for sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It takes away sin. Uh, the people are passed over in judgment and delivered and saved, and that points to the to the true lamb, Jesus, who has shed his blood for us. It's pointing to him. So the Exodus is a big event. Um, the Passover is a big event. God delivers the people out of slavery to Egypt, brings them to the promised land. Jesus defeats our enemies, delivers us from slavery to sin, brings us to the true promised land, the new heavens and the new earth. Um, as Jesus leads the people through the wilderness, there's more examples of this. Jesus, or, or the people grumble that they want water. Moses strikes the rock and water pours out. It's a picture of um, the people being being satisfied with the provision that, that Moses brings them through the rock, through the water. The, the rock is struck like the judgment of God. Mm-hmm. Striking the rock produces water for the people to, to save them. Jesus, I mean, in, in the Gospels, you know, you also, in the Exodus, or in the wilderness, you have the, the manna that comes down from heaven. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, I am the true bread of life. Mm-hmm. Whoever believes in me will not hunger. Whoever um, comes to me will never thirst. Mm-hmm. And in John 7, Jesus says, you know, come to me, everyone who thirsts and drink. Whoever believes in me, like the scripture said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the spirit. So these things point to Jesus and how Jesus quenches our actual spiritual hunger, our actual spiritual thirst. Another example, Jesus quotes, and this is from the wilderness too, as Moses leads the people out of Egypt in the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. Um, you know, Jesus uses the example in John three fourteen. 14. Uh, there was a time there when, when the people were, I can't even remember what it was. I think they were being bitten by snakes or something. And the people were dying. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, something was happening. And God told Moses to, to make a bronze serpent and to lift it up high on a pole. Mm-hmm. And that whoever would look to that would would be healed mm-hmm. from their disease or, or snake bite yep. or whatever. And Jesus takes that situation. And, and he says, like, you know, he says, this is about me. In John three fourteen, he's talking to Nicodemus. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. So that whole event, this is, we, we talk about how events point to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That event, it points to Jesus. It's escalated in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's fulfilled in Him. 
Just like the people looked to the bronze serpent and they were healed. So we look to the cross of Christ and we have eternal life. We are healed. We have salvation. We are spiritually healed. We're mm-hmm. healed from our real problem. Yep. Our real problem, which is sin and rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. So that is, we've kind of covered people. Um, we, we've covered events. The last one we're going to talk about is just institutions. Um, <coughs> this should be relatively quick. S- you know, the first example we touched on this a bit earlier, but in the Old Testament, there are three main offices in the people of Israel, in the nation of Israel. There's prophets, there's priests, mm-hmm. and there's kings. And Jesus is all three of those mm-hmm. to us. He's the fulfillment of all three of those. He's the true prophet that perfectly reveals God to us, that speaks the word of God to us. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 1, Colossians 1. Mm-hmm. He is the image of the invisible God uh, Hebrews 1 that um, in, uh, long ago many times in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us concerning his son he is the, the full and the truest and best revelation of God speaking the word of God he is the true prophet yep. you know even even Deuteronomy 18 Moses says there's going to come from among you yep. a prophet like me but you must listen to him He's the true prophet. He's the true and better Moses. He warns us about judgment, but he rescues us through his blood. He carries on the message of the prophets, which often was a a message of repentance and turning back to the Lord. He is the true high priest. If you read the book of Hebrews, it describes how Jesus is our true high priest. It means that he represents us to God. He's the mediator. He represents us before God. That's That was the job of the priest. He was to represent the people to God. He was to stand in their place. Mm-hmm. And he was to go into the most holy place of the temple and to offer the sacrifice. Jesus is both the high priest and he's the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It points to him. Jesus is the true king of Israel. Like David was, was a king in Israel. When David achieved victory, it meant victory for the people. Jesus is the true king mm-hmm. of the people of God. When Jesus wins, we win. And Jesus does win. And not just the king of his people, he's the king of the universe, mm-hmm. the king of the cosmos. Yep. He's the true prophet, he's the true priest, and he's the true king. He's the true temple. The Old Testament, the, the temple was the place where God dwelled, and it carried with it the, the connotation and the promise that God dwells with his people, Mm -hmm. that he will dwell with his people. And most fully, that is fulfilled in Jesus, who is God, dwelling with his people. Mm -hmm. He is truly God (laughs) dwelling with his people. Colossians 1, all of the fullness of deity was pleased to dwell in him. Mm -hmm. John 1, in the prologue of John, it says that he dwelt, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the same word. Um, that describes the temple and the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the fulfillment of the temple. Uh, you think of, you know, the Olivet Discourse, or, or I can't remember where it is, but Jesus is in the temple, or around the temple, and he was, I think it was when he was flipping the temples, I can't remember. Um, but he says to the people, you will destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about himself. He's the true temple. 
he truly is God dwelling with man, God dwelling with his people. All of those things, all of those institutions, we talked about how he's the true Israel. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. When, when we read the Bible, it's about Jesus. Uh, he, like he's the true prophet. He's the true priest. He's the true king. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's the greater Solomon, uh, the teacher of wisdom. He teaches wisdom to the people. He's the true prophet that reveals God. Yeah. I just want to take some time here. We just went through a lot of stuff. Um, and I remember when I was first, uh, not even like, I was never introduced to typology like this. Uh, okay. At my church growing up, it was just assumed. Um, but I remember when the first time I was hearing this and I'd hear it a lot at my church back home and I'm thankful for it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just wish I would have been taught about these things. Um, I remember just being so like, who are you to say pastor Mm -hmm. that all these things are about pointing to Jesus? Who are you? And I'm guessing there's some people out there listening that are either thinking that thought right now, who are you Jackson and Joshua to say all these people all these events and all these institutions point to Jesus. Um, And I want to be sensitive to you guys because it's good that we ask those questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think my response to that would be like, read through or listen to the last podcast we did and look at how the New Testament writers apply the Old Testament and they apply it in this way. Mm -hmm. And as you look through those things, commit yourself to reading the Bible commit yourself to it mm-hmm. and commit yourself to praying to God saying, Lord, I, I can't see this without you revealing it to me. If you read first, first Corinthians chapters one and two, Paul makes it clear that all scripture is spiritually discerned. We need the spirit to understand any of it. So come to God humble and saying, Lord, this, your Bible, the scripture is something I want to know about. I want to know you through it. So please reveal yourself to me. Show me, Lord, how Moses prefigures and points to Christ. Show me how Israel as an institution and the temple points to Jesus. And what does Jesus say in the New Testament? He says, seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be open. God never, ever, ever, once in all of human history, says, no, you cannot come towards me. You cannot seek after me, even if you want to. He delights in those who seek after him, and he reveals himself to those people. But he doesn't just do that by plopping wisdom and understanding in our mind. It takes work and it takes study, but it is, I mean, okay, I'll get off my tangent here, but I'll just say there is blessing in the studying and knowing of God's word. I think just a helpful reminder, you know, I, I think back of when uh, the first time I read the Old Testament, and like I, I didn't come away with any of this. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, like all of you should know that I was not smart enough to figure out any of these things. No. But like Joshua said, the New Testament authors, the apostles, when they quote, they, they quote the New Testament in this way. The Old Testament. Or the Old Testament. Yep. They they show and explain and prove mm-hmm. how Jesus fulfills these things. Read the book of Hebrews. That's yep. it's a wonderful example. Mm-hmm. But they 
are the ones that are doing these things. Yep. I never like I, I did yeah. not read those stories. Those inspired think, by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I did <laughs> not read those the story of Moses or the Exodus and think, oh, this this whole thing's about it's about Jesus. This yeah. is what Jesus is gonna do. I did not think that. Um, but the New Testament authors use it this way. Mm-hmm. And Jesus himself says that all of the scriptures are about him. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the last thing to take away from this too is oh the just yeah. understand the richness yep. of God's word. Yep. Understand the unity and the oh the depth of, of the yep. Bible. Yep. And I hope it becomes clear that you know as much as we talk historically 66 books written by all these people it has one author. Mm-hmm. It yep. has one true author. And it, it was it was put together, established and and written by God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's pretty clear you know, when we understand all of the majesties of this book, which we are just beginning to unfold, yep. just beginning to, that this is from God. Yep. And it's intended to save God's people and to s- express the character of God. Uh, and it is a rich and unfathomable and yep. beautiful, wonderful book. Um, oh, and it just it is rich for the soul. Yeah, and we just, we have to be conscious about why the authors are writing in the way they are like why is why did matthew structure his gospel in a way that from the birth of jesus christ to the death in his gospel there are so many correlations to moses and israel and israel like we have to be conscious of those things and ask you know Side note here, that's a, it's important to know the Old Testament then because yeah. like Matthew has the backdrop and he's pointing to that. But we have to be conscious of those things and ask, you know, what what is he doing? What is he trying to show us here? And what we find out is he's trying to show us Jesus is the Savior that Moses couldn't be. Yep. The true and better Adam, the true and better Abraham, the true and better Jacob, Isaac, yep. the true and better Moses, the true and better Israel. Yep. The true Passover lamb. Yep. Yeah, it's about Jesus. So I hope that this was a helpful episode for you guys. Yep. Uh, the last thing that I want to do is just encourage you guys. Um, yep. You know, please don't get all of your theology from us. Read your Bible. Uh, please get plugged into a good gospel preaching, Bible believing yep. church. And I would really highly suggest if, if you're younger in the audience or just for anybody. Yep. I mean, this is I. I need to, I. I, te- I need to tell this to myself every day. Yep. To have someone who's older than you, knows the Bible better than you, has been a Christian for longer than you, have them mentor you. Yep. And and ask them for advice about your life. Yep. And give them opportunity to to speak into your life. Yep. You know, I, Josh and I are are so fortunate to have a lot of access to the pastors at our church. Yep. Even in so much that they put on this whole thing in order to, to, to teach the Bible and for us to understand it. Mm-hmm. We are blessed and uh, so encouraged by that. Yep. So if you guys are um, find yourself in that position or if you don't know a lot, find a good church. Find some people that can, that, that can help teach you. Mm-hmm. Study your Bible um, and spend time in prayer asking God for, yep. for wisdom and, and for yep. understanding of his word, which he delights to give. Yeah, we we cannot stress the importance of being in a local church enough. 
cannot do that enough because in this day and age, uh, we have really become a people who are secluding ourselves. And hint, hint, that is a tactic of Satan <laughs> to seclude ourselves from people because we need people or else we will be so become so prideful and so blind that we'll just say, I'm good. There's nothing wrong with my life. <laughs> like, I'm a good person. But we need people to point out like, hey, I think you're you're sinning in this way. Or maybe like, have you considered maybe living in a different way in this yeah. area? Or, or, or just to be an example to exactly. us. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's not always example. just to point out sin, but to be like, like, oh man, we have people in our church who I look at their life and I know they're men of prayer. Yeah. I know that there are people who are discipling their children and I'm like, man, just seeing them spurs me on towards Christ. Yeah. Not even if they say anything, just seeing them and being like, I'm reminded of your example that you're setting. Yeah. yeah. And just, you look at the new Testament and how the church is supposed to function yeah. and it's a pretty wonderful picture. It is. Uh, and, and we encourage you guys to, to partake in that yep. and to be a part of it. So I think that is going to wrap up this episode Thank you guys for listening. I hope we can get something out again soon. Yep. Uh, God bless you guys. Yep. And hopefully you were blessed by this and, yes. and tune in again next time. Thank See you. you.